This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show, hosted by me, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. This is our midweek episode, of course, so we are not on AM950, KOEL, and KOEL.com. But you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, including on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe, follow, like, drop a comment, uh, leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. as well. That does help us out a lot. So today we're talking with, uh, or excuse me, talking about the Missouri Valley Football Conference, all conference teams with Andy Rickoff from Bison 1660 in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Andy, we we had you on from uh, or after the polls at the beginning of the season were, were released. Um, now as, as we're here towards the, uh, the playoffs getting towards the end or after the regular season, anything surprise you looking back on, on the season, maybe the polls that we saw and how things ended up, that's looking quite a ways back, but, um, anything surprise you this season that, that maybe you weren't expecting? Well, yeah, Elliot, first off, great to be back on with you. Appreciate you reaching out. And there's a couple teams that are very surprising. Um, first off, Missouri state, nobody thought that they were going to fall off the way they did. I mean, they were Number three for me preseason, they were number you know four or five for a lot of people out there thinking that they're going to be a team we'd be talking about as a, a seeded team when all things were said and done and have a chance to win the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And I think they got three wins in conference. That's all they got. And we're bad in the non-con too. And I, I still think they had good players. I mean, Jason Shelley was good. Uh, Montre Braswell was really good. They had some good players. It's just their offensive line was a mess. They couldn't keep Shelley upright. Um, and then kind of just defensively didn't have enough staying power and kind of fell apart towards the back half of games, it seemed like. So they're surprise number one. Uh, surprise number two might be you and I. I, I thought they were going to be better this year. Um, the, the strange part about them that was maybe the most surprising is their defense is what let, let them down. Offensively, they were fine. Uh, Theo Day, I know we'll get to the all-conference stuff here in a little bit, but he was first-team all-conference for a reason. He was a really good quarterback and, and played well for him. It was just the defense wasn't good. They weren't tackling. They were giving up. 30 or even 40 points in some games. And so that was uh, surprising with their schedule this year and not playing NDSU. I thought they'd have a chance to be a, a playoff team and compete at the top of the Valley again. And clearly that didn't happen. They didn't make the playoffs. So uh, those two are the the main surprises for me in terms of expectations and not meeting them. Uh, there were probably a couple of teams that surpassed our expectations quite a bit as well. I think Youngstown state did better than I thought they would in terms of Valley teams uh, didn't make the playoffs, but they were probably discussed pretty heavily in that final day, um, if they beat Montana State, or Mo- not Montana State, Missouri State, uh, in conference in that second to last week, they probably are a playoff team, but uh, lost that game, and that's a game you can't lose to a, a team that was bad this year. So I thought Youngstown played better than I thought they would, and, and they're going in the right direction. Uh, nationally, there's probably a few teams in the CAA that were better than I thought they would be, too. Uh, Elon, New Hampshire, uh, William & Mary, a lot better than I thought they would be. That conference as a whole, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that conference fares here in the playoffs as we get deeper into it. You know, Delaware won their first matchup, but I was against St. Francis of the NEC. How much can you really uh, read into that? 
Um, but how many CAA teams are alive come the quarterfinals? How many CAA teams are there alive in the semifinals? Because we didn't think that conference was going to be very good without JMU. We did, we kind of questioned how the, the strength of that conference would look. Uh, but with five teams in, you, you can't argue it was a pretty deep conference this year. I want to ask you about the CAA and, and the MVFC in regards to the, the amount of teams that got in from those conferences. Before we do that, I, I want to agree uh, agree with you, essentially, on Youngstown, Missouri State. And, of course, uh, I know everything about you and I starting mm-hmm. off slow uh, defensively and, and that offense being better than we've seen in a very, very long time with, with Theo Day at the helm. And, of course, Bodie Reeder coming in and installing that offense. Um Missouri State was probably the the biggest shock to me, um, whether it's positive or negative, because were they number uh, five at the start of the season? Something like that. Number five. And then I believe SIU was number nine. So uh, two two teams in the MVFC that that didn't quite live up to expectations. Obviously, SIU was was more competitive than than Missouri State was. But uh, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, the fact that their offensive line was so just abysmal this season. Um, I'm not sure how much you got to see them play too. But Jacardier Wright was awesome. All newcomer team, of course, and and Jason Shelley. I I just with a quarterback like Jason Shelley, I don't know how you play that poorly, honestly. I mean, they had those those pretty solid wins, uh, uh, UT Martin and uh, UCA, and then almost beating Arkansas in the non-con. Um, so I was just floored by by how rough of a season they had. Um, but you hit Youngstown State, uh, and, then, and then you and I, of course. And I think we might have talked about a preseason, but UND was kind of a surprise to me. Honestly, uh, they had those close losses last year. Turn it around, go seven and four. I was so low on Tommy Schuster going into the season. He's just not an athlete. You know, he doesn't shock you with, with what the plays that he makes, but he makes the right plays. He, Bo Belquist, and Tyler Hoosman. You and I never saw this Tyler Hoosman before. Yep. Your never thoughts on UND? He was he was better at UND than he was at UNI. And I don't think UND has shocked me actually one bit, though. Like, I thought they would be a good team, and they turned out to be a good team. They – Gave a lot of points at home to SDSU. They got blown out here in Fargo against the Bison. But other than that, I thought they could compete with everybody in the Valley. And they did that. And I thought Tommy Schuster was a good quarterback. And he's not a great athlete. He's not super big. He's not that prototypical 6'4", 2-whatever quarterback. And he's he's athletic enough to extend plays. Uh, but he makes good decisions with the ball. He doesn't turn it over a whole lot. And name of the game is keeping control of the football. And they were able to do that. And I think they struggled a little bit more athletically-wise at the wide receiver position. They had good receivers, uh, Belquist good, Mog good, uh, but there are more of those possession receivers where you get the ball quick in their hands, see if they can maybe make a guy miss, maybe you get the ball to them across the middle in some traffic. But I don't think a lot of teams were threatened over the top uh, where you're going to have a guy that's going to just absolutely take the top off the defense and you have to have a guy over the over over there to, to kind of double-team a receiver. They were good receivers, very good, quality receivers, but – you know, didn't have that supreme athlete that I think a lot of teams were worried about, which allowed them to stack the box a little bit more uh, against Hoosman and others. So you could slow down that running game once people figured out that it was going to be pretty good. But I thought Hoosman would be good there because uh, of downhill running style. And I, I liked what he did at Northern Iowa for the, the bit he was there. Um, and I thought Tommy Schuster was good. So it doesn't shock me one bit that they made the playoffs, quite honestly. So in, in regards to the playoffs, we we mentioned the CAA, we mentioned the MVFC. I, folks in, in Cedar Falls, were obviously one upset 
too uh, too confused at the fact that five CAA teams got in and just three MVFC teams got in. One of our uh, writers here that, that covers UNI said it's the equivalent of five SEC team or excuse me, uh, three SEC teams getting in a 2014 playoff. Um, uh, would you agree with that? Because I, I, I mean, it's to me, the CAA didn't deserve it as much as the MVFC, despite the record difference. Um, I mean, the MVFC just beats up on each other all year. Um, so I, I, to me, quality of team versus quality of record. Um, I, I just think there was some sort of uh, 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 cognitive dissonance going on in my head. I'll tell you that. I would have picked Youngstown State to be in. I thought Youngstown State was good enough to to get in with the way things worked out. I, they They weren't in going into the final week for me, no matter what they did. But I thought with the way, you know, Chattanooga lost and Mercer lost and Montana got, you know, their doors blown off by Montana State and Delaware losing as well in a win and get in type of situation we thought against Villanova. I thought Youngstown State should have gotten in because uh, they played NDSU extremely tough. That was a, a really good game. And again, for them, if they just beat Missouri State, beat, win that game, beat them and you're in uh, for sure at that point. And they beat Southern Illinois at the end as well in a game where it meant a lot to both of those teams. So I thought they were a team out of the Valley that I would have given a little bit more of a nod to. But other than that, honestly, no, I, I would I would disagree. I, I don't think the Valley deserved to get any more teams in. You've got to win games. And it's not just your conference games, but you and I, you usually have a really tough schedule. This year you had Air Force. It's a good FBS team, but it's not, you know, Iowa or Iowa State from years past that you typically play. And uh, you had a game against Sacramento State inside Cedar Falls in the Unidome. Didn't win it. You know, win the game. And uh, that's the the difference for me. And the CAA, I don't know if they played the toughest competition outside of, outside of conference, but they did have a couple of FBS wins. Delaware had one of them against Navy. That's a quality FBS win. And they won those games. And then they kind of beat up on each other a little bit, too. Uh, William and Mary only lost one game and Richmond only lost a couple, but you know, they beat up on each other just like the, the Valley did. And unfortunately those teams outside of conference had more wins than a lot of Valley teams. I was surprised at the Valley not being as strong this year, but uh, you know, I'm not surprised by the number of teams that got in the playoffs. Cause I just don't think the depth was there in the, the Valley, the consistency from you and I uh, from Southern Illinois. That's another one. Southern Illinois, you have a chance. You, you beat Northwestern. That's an amazing win. It's a big 10 win. I think they're the only FCS team with an FBS win this year against a Power 5 team like that. Uh, so that's great. But you had Incarnate Word, you got trounced, got destroyed in that game. You had SEMO, and you lost badly in that game. Those are two playoff teams. You beat one of those two teams, you're probably in. And, you know, you can say all along that, hey, but we were close against NDSU. We were close against SDSU. At the end of the day, I don't give much credit to quality losses. I'm more of a quality wins guy. The 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 frustrating part i think for at least specifically you and i fans of course you can't like you can't lose that illinois state game you can't mm-hmm. lose that north dakota game and and if you win both of those and they were both close losses i believe about both by two points you're in um and the they were within a striking distance of sacramento state for a large part of that fourth quarter before uh they scored on that that final I don't know, like minute. And then, of course, three point loss to South Dakota State. Now, the way you and I was playing, they it's the eye test. But when you put the eye test versus the record, you have to do uh, entire body of work. And I think that's that's where they fell off. And especially in those two losses to Illinois State and, and North Dakota. Yeah, those are two games that you, you win those you're in, but you need to win them. And if you do, you maybe take the place of UND. Um, Illinois State would have been it's not that that's necessarily a great win because they weren't a playoff team, but it's a game that you look at like, okay, at least you didn't lose it. You know, those are the games where SDSU and NDSU, they they won those games this year. 
uh, UND won those games this year for the most part. You know, Southern Illinois, they lost, but you don't look at Southern Illinois as a, oh, that's a bad loss because they were on the the cusp of maybe getting into the playoffs. So right. there's some stuff like that that I think plays into it. But you got to win those games you should win, especially in conference. And UNI's highest quality win was over SIU, who uh, didn't make the playoffs as well. So uh, it, the difference between this year and last year's team, of course, t- to me, is is that win over Sacramento State um, that that took place early on in the season. That's really what got them in because Sac State, right after that, reeled off what like nine wins in a row. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, that's the big difference. No quality win. If they have a quality win in there, maybe Sacramento State and and lose to SIU on that on that hail mary, maybe they they get in. But but who knows? And of course that that close loss to to South Dakota State. Anyway, as we're here to to talk about the MBFC and and a little bit of playoff outlook here in a little bit. Awards released yesterday and today. Um, the only one in terms of individual awards that I think is really up for debate is that offensive player of the year. Maybe not necessarily Julia McLaughlin winning it, but Hunter Lepke ahead of, of Theo Day. And we had you on specifically because that first show we did with you was awesome, Andy. But also, um, I we never got to see each, other, uh, each other's uh, guys yeah. play uh, in, in person this year. And I didn't really watch a whole lot of tape on, on NDSU in terms of um, looking back at other teams you and I would play. To you, do you think uh, McLaughlin was was the clear winner, and and secondarily, uh, was Lepke more deserving of of Theo Day in your mind's eye? I, I don't think it was a clear winner. I'll start off there. I think Julian McLaughlin was a very talented player, and he's the reason Youngstown State was as close as they were to making the playoffs. So he carried that team. There's no doubt about it. And I remember when we faced Youngstown State, he was the number one guy. Every coach you talked to at NDSU said, "We've got to find a way to." to slow him down. And they actually didn't. He, he had a pretty decent day. And a lot of it came on, I think, like two or three carries that were long carries for him. Uh, but those count in, the, in the, the, the the box score. So I love when people say that, well, if it wasn't for this player or that play, well, those plays happen. So you can't really <laughs> discount them, but you can try to. Um, so I think he was definitely someone that I would have had, you know, voted for in terms of offensive player of the year. He would have been up there for me. But I thought with everything Hunter Lipke did from, I mean, he wasn't just the running back. He caught a ton of passes. He caught a ton of, ton of touchdown passes. He, uh, you know, worked his, his you-know-what off trying to block as well. He was a great blocker out of the backfield, lined up at tight end, fullback, running back, receiver. He did everything for the team. I know blocking's not going to get you much you know, credit for offensive player. I get that. But if for everything he did and the role he played at NDSU, he would have been my first vote. Just, I mean, look at the first team. He was literally first team All-Valley in two spots. He was the fullback on the first teamer and the all-purpose player on first team uh, for the Missouri Valley this year. So, you know, that tells you he's a pretty special player. Um, that's who I, that's where I would have gone uh, because also when I look at MVP stuff in other sports or offensive player of the year or whatever, how big of an impact did you have on your team? And Theo Day was phenomenal. He was great. And he would have probably been right there for me with the other two running backs in terms of the discussion here. But you and I, again, you go back to the record. And that's not all Theo's fault. He can't play defense. I get that. The defense is what was letting him down. Uh, but how much did you contribute to a winning football team? I thought Hunter Lipke with NDSU's record, everything they did, and he was the main reason they won a good amount of those games, uh, especially early on, uh, and a good reason they were even in games like that Arizona game or the SDSU game as well that they ended up losing. I would have had him as the the player of the, the year on the offensive side for everything he meant uh, to NDSU. And I do think getting hurt in the second to last game and then not playing in the last game against UND probably did knock them a little bit, which is understandable. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I was going to mention in there, too, uh, you know, I, I think... You know, while whether or not I know uh, you're at Bison 1660, so a little bit different than what I've got going on here over here. I'm not at Panther 1660, but uh, we, we each have our own little bit of bias mm-hmm. having, having covered each team for the entirety of the season. So I think that's where each of us come in here. I mean, some of the throws that I saw Theo Day make this year, I haven't seen another quarterback in the MVFC make in the years that I've covered. Maybe Jason Shelley. Um, but uh, and again, I, I never really saw Easton Stick or or uh, or uh, Carson Wentz for that matter. But Theo, very clearly an FBS talent at that quarterback position. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet. I think it was against the SDSU or it was in the SDSU game. I said I try not to swear on here, but GD that was an awesome throw by Theo yeah. and a great catch by Desmond Hudson. Um, and I would have I, loved to have seen Theo Day, like you said, we didn't see you. That's the right. problem. I, my memory of him is from two seasons ago, where good quarterback quality, but made some mistakes and made some decisions that you're kind of scratching your head. But you could see the talent was there. And you know, I watched some games for you and I, and I saw some of those great throws too. That's just why he would have been. You know, my first team quarterback, just like he was voted, you know, that's that's where I would have been on him. And he would have been in the discussion for me for offensive player of the year for sure. But would have loved to see him in person. Right. Right. And and again, I, record is what I thought it would, would reflect as well as the fact that Lepke's all over the field. Jaleel McLaughlin put up crazy stats this year. Um, so I, I knew it was going to be up in the air. I really thought he was going to finish second rather than Lipke, but again, didn't see Lipke. Um, so, and again, uh, Lipke missing games definitely uh, affected just one game in the regular season or two. Got hurt early on in their, uh, their second to last game of the season. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it, like a missed like a, a game and a half. Okay. <laughs> but he played a month and a half with fractured ribs. We found out with like three bro- wow. like, messed up ribs and he was still playing. So I didn't know like, that being as effective as he was. Sure. And, and he has uh, my respect for sure. Uh, playing all those different positions. You got to know football to do that. Um, speaking of which, before we get into these first, second team, uh, honorable mention, all newcomer, et cetera, he's not expected to play this weekend against Montana, is he? No, not expected to play this week. They're still getting some uh, medical uh, evaluations on it from outside of the program a little bit as well. So uh, seeing what the, what they can do to make sure he can play at some point during the playoff stretch here, but not expected to play this week. And uh, by what you're saying there, I'm assuming it's expected that NDSU is going to handle Montana fairly easily this weekend. They're a good program. They're, yeah. I mean, they're a team with a lot of tradition. Sure. I, I think it's very interesting. The two Valley teams this, this week, SDSU's got Delaware. We got Montana. Delaware and Montana, for me, were two top 10 teams when the, the year started. I, I was high on Delaware before the year got going, and I was proven right for a little bit, and then they kind of <laughs> yeah. stretched. But, um, so I definitely puffed my chest out early on. But <laughs> You know, those are two teams that are very similar to me because when they play their best game, Montana or Delaware, they can be really dangerous. Delaware's got like the third best scoring defense in the nation this year. So they could give SDSU some fits um, on defensively, at least. Their offense can be inconsistent, but they have a good quarterback in Nolan Henderson. So when they're playing their best, they're really good, but they're inconsistent. Same thing with Montana. When they played their best, they were blowing teams out. When they played their best against SEMO, they went on a 31 nothing run. But the first half they give up, you know, first half and, and a drive, they have 24 and they're on 24, three at home. 
and they they lose games against the top of the big sky and they they get blown out uh, by their arch rival Montana State in a game where they looked like they didn't even belong on the football field. So, you know what? They're a really good team. They are. But I, I think NDSU is clearly the better team. Um, I think NDSU will be able to run the football a little bit. That's probably what they're going to try and do. And I'm not breaking any news there. They try and do that every <laughs> single game. It's, it's NDSU for crying out loud. You know what they're going to do. So I'm sure Coach Houck knows exactly what they're going to try and do. But it's the question of can you stop it? And, uh, you know, I just don't know if Montana will be able to. We'll see. Uh, but when they're playing their best, they're a dangerous team. But yeah, we'll get back to that, talking a little bit about uh, NDSU's playoff hopes going forward. We're here with Andy Rickoff from Bison 1660 here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk this midweek episode. So first and second team, uh, and of course, honorable mention, I don't know if if you had any specific guys that, that were on these teams, maybe on second team that you thought should have been on first or honorable mention that should have been on second or or maybe even first. I went through and, and tried to find a few that, that weren't you and I, because obviously those are the ones that stick out to me. I'm sure you're the same with NDSU. But were there any guys maybe on second team that you thought deserved first or, or honor, honorable mention that you thought maybe deserved second? There's a couple of guys that I – thought deserved to be on there somewhere and you know mainly for NDSU like you said it, it tends to stand <laughs> out to you I get it um but NDSU's had you know top five passing defense all season long and they have the safeties both both safeties Michael Tutsi and Dawson Weber their first team which is great I, I thought the cornerbacks deserved a little bit more love Courtney Eubanks and Destin Talbert probably somewhere on that second team or uh, honorable mention at least to be, be mentioned there uh that was something I was looking at uh also uh wide receiver Zach Mathis I thought I get that NDSU wide receivers aren't going to put up all the stats. And a lot of this is done based off of stats, if we're being honest. And you're just not going to have those great stats typically as a receiver at NDSU. But he had some decent stats. And I thought just the film itself and uh, the the trouble he gave some some defenses, I thought he would have been you know, maybe an honorable mention or someone that would have been up there a little bit. Other than that, you know, there's, you know, players on, on first and second team, I didn't really have much of a uh, gripe with uh, for the most part. I thought they got the first team just about perfect. Uh, I would have definitely had Theo Day as my quarterback. Uh, Gronowski would have been my second teamer as well. I would have given a little bit more love probably to Cam Miller, but again, I get it, the stats. He's not going to have all those those passing stats and stuff, but I think he just manages the game so well, and that sometimes can be viewed as a, a negative, but – I view it as a positive because he takes care of the football. He completes enough, more than enough throws down the field, and he's very, very efficient with it. Uh, but I thought they got the quarterbacks right. Running backs really difficult in this league. There's so many good ones, but you have to put Jaleel McLaughlin on there. I know Isaiah Davis was a little banged up sometimes, but he played more than enough games to be recognized there at the, the running back spot. And uh, offensive lines, kind of who you thought it would be. It's mostly the teams in the Dakotas and then Northern Iowa getting some love in there as well. But that's who it is most years. So not really a ton of shockers to me. Um, I, I did like Avante Cox being on there. I was a little bit surprised you didn't see Javon Williams Jr. from uh, Southern Illinois on that, you know, first or second team as well. Uh, was he all- back. I know he was the all-purpose player, was, okay. and he basically is an all-purpose player. He does the, the Wildcat stuff, uh, but in terms of the running backs, I thought he was he's, – he's been a great player for a long time there for the Salukis. Sure, and, you know, go back, going back and looking at stats and such, I, I think – now that you mention it, I, I, obviously a lot of these guys, uh, the voters go on on stats, sure, yeah. um, which I'd probably do that too because you can only watch so many games, right? Yeah. Um, but to me, I thought 
a couple were interesting in uh, Ryland Cole being second team as well as uh, Wu Governor. I don't know if you, you again, saw the stats from Wu. He's up there in terms of uh, interceptions, tackles, and um, PBUs for for corners and, and defensive backs for that matter. The stats didn't appear, at least what I saw on Missouri Valley Conference stats, uh, they didn't appear to be there for the NDSU defensive backs. Am I missing something, or, nope. or why would you? Okay, why, nope. why would you have them there over over a guy like Wu? And secondarily to that, do you think that voters in the MVFC might default to NDSU just because of how dominant they've been, as opposed to maybe looking at stats or or play the way they should? I don't think they they give it right to NDSU. No, no. definitely not. Um, okay. I, I would think sometimes they even steer away from NDSU if they can, because yeah. the other people are deserving, not actually, but um, what I would say about the NDSU corners, you know, guys like that, Destin Talbot's only got one pick, I think three pass breakups. Uh, Courtney Eubanks had a couple of picks this year. So the stats wise isn't there, but maybe the stats aren't there because teams just weren't throwing because they weren't having any success. And the, the safeties were great. That's why Dawson Weber, and Michael Tutsi, whose stats were phenomenal, they're on the first team. I, I get that. And and Wu was great, too. That's the thing. It's like, who, if you're going to put somebody in, who are you taking out? C.J. Siegel, really good player for UND as well. Um, really good cornerback on the second team. Uh, Miles Harden was really good for South Dakota. He played well against us. I remember seeing him out there. Um, Southern Illinois had some good players, too. So it, it's hard to take somebody off. I, I know even though NDSU's corners may not have all those stats, look at the stats in terms of how many passing yards are thrown on them per game. You know, how, NDSU was top five all season long against the pass. And there's a reason for that. And so maybe the interceptions and stuff aren't there, but teams just realized we can't pass on the corners. We're going to go short intermediate routes against linebackers, against, uh, you know, defensive ends. They have to you know play a little coverage or something, or we're going to try and run the football. And teams had some success running the football on NDSU. So they did run it a little bit more this year, I think, in terms of opponents' game plans than in, in past years. But I, I thought Destin Talbert was a pretty good corner all year long. I would put him him or Courtney Eubanks, one of them, because I think the, the top passing defense, one of the top passing defenses in the country, uh, just get a little bit more recognition. And of course, uh, you and I, defensive back, Benny Sapp, uh, safety getting in there on that first team. You can't ignore Benny Sapp the third. Um, not at all. No, not not at all. Uh, definitely going to be on an NFL roster coming up here uh, in uh, the spring when he gets, assuming he gets drafted. I think that's a fair assumption. But um in regards to one other player that, that ended up on the first team, do you think it was fair that Tucker Kraft got first team, even though he only played however many games, and Zach Hines was second team? Yeah, that one was interesting to me because, yeah, he missed a good amount of games. And when he played, he was great. Right. <laughs> That's right. the thing. And there's a reason he was preseason first team because everyone knows how good he is. And, you know, when he's playing against you, and I think, you know, coaches vote on some of this stuff. So I think coaches say who gives us the most headaches, most problems when we're playing them. And, Tucker Craft is clearly that guy when he's playing. Um, and that's why I think people say if we, he's still the best tight end in the league because he gives you the most headaches. And Zach Hines filled in very admirably for him. He was phenomenal too. And definitely a player that's going to be right there next year's, you know, another player for in the Valley at that position. It's going to be really tough to stop. So they've got a bevy of tight ends. I, I think if Noah Gindorf stayed healthy for NDSU, he only, only played, I think four games got injured in the third or the fourth one. And if he had played the whole year, I think he probably finishes as the the top guy. I uh, just guess he would have played a lot more games than Tucker Kraft, And he was right there with him in my opinion, at least, but yeah, I, I struggle to look at any other team's tight ends and say they were as effective as Zach Hines or as talented as Tucker Kraft. So I I'd give both of them the nod on that one. 
Alex Allen, I, I, he's another guy that that hasn't been seen very much. Another UNI bias of mine. Uh, I think he only played in five or six games this year, but um, I don't I don't know if you were able to see much or, or hear much from him. Dude, he's he's for real. He has had some trouble, like I said, staying healthy. I don't even know the exact injury. Coach uh, Farley didn't really tell us that, but um, he's next year when when you and I and IDSU play each other. Pay attention. He's uh, yeah. he's for real. Um, that's assuming he he comes back, of course. But um, with with all of that said, NDSU moving on into the, the playoffs, taking on Montana this this weekend, this coming weekend. How does how does everything look going ahead for for North Dakota State as far as uh, the playoff picture for them and and what you expect uh, for the Bison uh, as one of the two teams that are left to represent the MVFC and and their their hopes to return uh, to the championship game? I think that sets up well. I do. Uh, I liked it when the bracket was revealed. I thought their corner of the bracket was was favorable to them. Um, obviously, this is a tough matchup. I think just because Montana's not going to be ood and odd and you know wide-eyed coming into the dome like they're they're fine they're confident in themselves and and their coaching staff will have them prepared i think sometimes you get a team like if SEMA would, was playing this game against us they've never been to the Fargo Dome, so it would have first trip and you know the mystique of everything might have played a different different factor there who knows maybe not maybe i'm just kidding myself on that but um i think montana's going to come in here and just be totally fine with that it'll just come down to how you play on the field i think NDSU is the better team there um i think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively as I said earlier um they have been all year long so I know you don't have Hunter Lipke like I said but Tamaric Williams honorable mention for a reason in this conference um Kobe Johnson's another guy that probably should have been honorable mention even before the injury to uh, Hunter Lipke Kobe was taken on quite a load at running back and he's going to increase that load he already has last time out against UND they'll use him in the passing game too uh, so you got plenty of running backs they're going to be fine there Offensive line is supremely talented. So Montana does some some quirky things with their lines of scrimmage, and they'll have like a 3-3 defense and do some different things there and bring a lot of blitzes. But with an experienced offensive line, a quarterback that's seen a lot of pictures in Cam Miller and the running game, I think NDSU will be able to survive that. And then they either get Samford or Southeastern Louisiana uh, in the next round if they can get there. And Samford's got a great offense. They're a seeded team for a reason. I watched their game against Mercer. It was just run straight down the field and I throw it to you. That was the offense for Mercer and that was working and they put up 40 plus points doing that. So uh, the defense for Sanford would be uh, a pretty big question mark for me. If they can slow down NDSU's running game, we've seen storylines like that a lot in the past with teams from the SoCon, the Southern conference as well, where uh, they put up a lot of points and they play good defense in that conference. And then they face a Valley team and it's, they can't stop the run. And now your offense doesn't have the ball and you throw interceptions and that game goes over fairly quickly. Um, Southeastern Louisiana can also put up a lot of points. I think they play slightly better defense. Um, so we'll see who, which offense is higher scoring, I guess, in that game. I expect that to be a very high scoring game, but I think NDSU has got a, a good path to at least the, uh, the semifinals there against uh, maybe it's at Sacramento state, or maybe it's at home against a team like Incarnate Word. So last thing for you, Andy, before we let you go, let's assume that the two and three seed match up in, in the semis and, and NDSU has to go all the way out to Sacramento state. How do they match up with with the Hornets? What do you expect uh, if if that if that game happens? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, what I expect is a really good game. I, I think they've built it up the right way at Sacramento State. Now, have they won playoff games? No, they've been the fourth seed the last couple of years and lost. So they need to prove in the playoffs they can win. And I don't think it's an automatic win uh, for them this week either. I think Richmond's a quality program, and they were the only two losses in the CAA. They gave some good teams some trouble. Sacramento State's the better team. 
They've been the better team before. We'll see if they can win the game. Um, but they've got a quarterback that's very fast, very athletic. Uh, would cause some trouble for NDSU. They've struggled a little bit with mobile and or running quarterbacks, however you want to phrase it. They have struggled a little bit there with the contain. And then, you know, when the quarterback gets out, extending the play, losing receivers, all that kind of stuff. That I can tell you. Sorry to cut you off. I can tell you Asher, Asher O'Hara is, is a mobile quarterback. I'll tell yes. you that, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah. There's a they, they put up a lot of points. Their offense is better this year than it has been in years past. And that's been their problem. The offense wasn't there in their, their playoff losses the last couple of years. I think the offense is a lot better. Uh, Troy Taylor's built it up the right way. And he's got a good a good quarterback. They've had strong players defensively. Uh, so it'd be a very good game. But they have to get there first. And I think they've got a really tough matchup if they can get by this week. A really tough matchup potentially down the road with Incarnate Word. Andy Rickoff from Bison 1660 there in Fargo. Andy, we appreciate you hopping on. Great stuff. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. It's Andy on the AM there. Awesome. Thank you, Elliot. Appreciate it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.